We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain alienable rights. We have a power. And we've raised a spoiled brat representative government that needs to be taken to the woodshed. Are you satisfied with the government that owns you? There are churches who refuse to allow us to use their facilities to teach. Unspoken or even sometimes spoken rule that religion and politics don't mix. You wouldn't dare speak out against the government or somehow resist. Christians have to be involved in politics. God commands it. Every turn of event through history hinged. One person will stand up upon a single person. And then everybody else will stand. A gym member surrounded by a crowd of supporters was placed in handcuffs. A Tampa Bay pastor has been arrested. Sentenced to a week in she jail. She also and tore up a cease and desist letter. We have a posterity waiting for us to say, we will not comply so you will be free. We have a chance to fight without bloodshed. But every time we comply, we establish a future where our children will not have that option. Why do we sit down when all should be standing? And why do we back down at the grid? Rise and shine, liberty loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome, everybody, to our chat and to our podcast. JC is taking care of other business today, so we're really, really excited uh, to, I'm really excited to be here with you. I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, some of you are like, Hey, good evening, Chris Ann and JC and Richard says, or not JC, <laughs> you know, it's always a gamble. One of us, we are doing so many things, so many ways, so many different places at so many different times. It's, it's really, if you, if you think about it, it's an absolute miracle that we are able to be one of us is able to be here to do this uh, for the two of us to do it together. I don't know. It's it. I enjoy it more because uh, then I don't have to carry the whole show. And you guys totally love JC's Rantopias, the king of Rantopia. So uh, I enjoy them too. And I guess what you get is me today. We are a teach show and not a talk show. Definitely not a bad thing. Definitely a good thing. We are here to educate, to equip, to ignite, to inspire you to take a stand. Take a stand for liberty. Take a stand for our Constitution and really for the rights of our children to come. I'm trying to find out here. There was something I wanted to put up for you guys, and I totally forgot to load it up. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, 
I think I probably should do it this way. I thought I had, I, I, I just did a podcast and I thought maybe that I had the notice of the podcast up somewhere else. Um, but let me see if I have it up here. But anyway, uh, it's, it's been nonstop, man. Totally, totally nonstop. This lunacy of what's going on in America constantly, totally, constantly putting out fires, trying to keep hospitals from killing people, <laughs> help people not be fired. It's just one thing after another. And for me, it's global. So we help people all over the world. Just for a little, uh, if you guys are wondering under what arm we actually do that, which hat I'm wearing, I will share with you our nonprofit law firm, Liberty First Legal. This is the website. Check this out. We have frequently asked questions right there because we have them, uh, you know, people are, are asking us lots and lots of questions. Um, we get the same questions all the time. So we want to be able to help you with those. Do you know, this is probably this first question. Where do I, where can I find the vaccination exemption letter is one of the most, uh, asked questions that I get. If you hit the thing, it will give you a link right here to the location where you can find my memorandum of law to advise you on your right to refuse. Now, uh, I just updated this page today with some new information, which is included right here. Um, what to do if your employer is demanding a vaccination as a condition of employment. And I want to tell you as a lawyer, you're going to have to get over my fact that I give you these little legal disclaimers, right? So what I'm going to instruct you on are the legal options. In this capacity, it's not my job to give you a lesson on morality or spiritual guidance. I cannot make these decisions for you. What may be right for you, what may be right according to your conscience, may not reconcile with what has been established as the legal options. You must personally count the cost. So I was just sort of anticipating all of the arguments that I usually get. Well, what about this right? What about that right? What about what God says? And I'm just trying to tell you on this particular page, this is a legal memorandum uh, with the help of our legal firm, Liberty First Legal. I have given you the legal answer. So if you're looking for a spiritual answer, this is not it. If you're looking for what should be the case, this is not it. I'm trying to give you the legal, legal response here. And so uh, I have answered this question at least 400 times today. So I wanted to make sure that you guys who are listening and watching, you know how to respond to this. If your employer is demanding a vaccination, it doesn't matter what in vaccination it is. Obviously, there are current relative topics today, but it doesn't matter any vaccination whatsoever. As a condition of employment, you must first do the following. 
If you have a firmly or sincerely held religious belief that prevents you from taking that injection, you must request from your employer a religious exemption. Your employer should have a policy and procedure established to complete a religious exemption application. Follow the directions given by to you by your employer regarding their policy and procedure. We are we can't issue letters anymore. It's we're beyond that legally. You have to you have to follow the policy and procedure of your employer. You must be able to articulate your firmly or sincerely held religious belief. Simply saying, quote, I'm a Christian and I don't want this, end quote, is not going to get your exemption approved. You have to be able to articulate this. Get a Bible out. Get your religious documents out. Find the evidence in there. Find your justification and give a justified response. Pursuant to Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, you have the right to request a religious exemption and the employer must provide reasonable accommodations in the alternative to a vaccination if it will not create an undue hardship upon the business to do so. Reasonable accommodations. Listen, this is the other question that I get all the time. Reasonable accommodations can include wearing a mask while working or submitting to a regular testing schedule. Look, I understand the moral objections. I understand the objections you might have based on privacy, constitution, whatever. Okay, I understand that. But remember, this is a legal memorandum. And legally speaking, with precedent in law, it is going to be held to be a reasonable accommodation to do these things. If you don't want to do these things, then you are fully within your authority to take up a lawsuit and follow it all the way to the end and establish a new precedent that is well within your choice and authority to do that. But that's not what we're talking about here. Talking about the law as it stands. Refusal to submit to the established reasonable accommodations could result in your, in, in your termination. If the business asserts that it would create a, quote, undue hardship to grant alternative reasonable accommodations, then by law, they can deny your request for religious exemption. However, listen very closely. By pattern and practice, it has been shown that reasonable accommodations could result in your termination. Oh, sorry. Beep, beep. My eyes shifted. Sorry. By by pattern and practice, it has been shown that reasonable accommodations and alternatives to vaccinations indeed exist for employees, and these have been required all along, self-screening with temperature checks, wearing personal protective equipment, social distancing, and complying with other safety protocols, is already proven to be a reasonable accommodation. So they can't say there are no reasonable accommodations available. The reasonable accommodations are for not taking the vaccination have been established for two years now. Logically, if these measures are and were effective in preventing the spread of COVID, they will continue to be effective. If you have a medical condition that prevents you from taking vaccinations, you will need to request a medical exemption from your doctor, you or from your employer. 
You will need a letter from your physician substantiating your medical exemption. Your employer can refuse to grant the medical exemption if it would create an undue hardship. And you will be expected to submit to the reasonable accommodations required to be exempt from the vaccine, which are things that we've already mentioned before. So do not, if I can say this again, I've said this on the show before, do not ever sign a release of liability for your employer for any injection into your body they require as a condition of employment. Do not sign a release of liability. If you sign a release of liability as a condition for your employment, you will lose your right to damages and workman's compensation. Demand workman's compensation for the time off work during your recovery. If you have a adverse reaction to any vaccination, you are entitled to workman's comp. If you have an adverse reaction to any compensation, you are entitled to sue your employer for any damage to your health or to your body, whether temporary or permanent. And you also have the right to sue your employee for your death pursuant to EEOC rules. Obviously, you won't be suing. Someone in your home will be suing. Now, here's the update. Are you ready? Are you ready? Note. The alleged approval, are you hearing that from me? The alleged approval of one of the vaccinations by the FDA does not change the legal text included in the memorandum of law below. And then you do just go this big, bold, blue thing, click on it, and you can get your memorandum of law here. Once again, all of this is available at chrisannhall.com. Your updated information on your legal rights, your legal legal remedies, if you have a sincerely or firmly held religious belief against vaccinations and a, or a medical reason why you can't take them. I just remembered something that I didn't put in there that I think I'm going to have to go back in and put in when I get off the show, just so you know. So go find this right to refuse. There's a lot of misinformation tonight, uh, everywhere, today, all the time, where people are saying that if you got vaccinations in the past, it negates your argument of a, re re a reasonably or firmly held, uh, serious, I'm sorry, a, a firmly held or sincerely held religious belief against them. That is not true. Past vaccinations do not negate any religious argument against them present or the future. Just be clear. Because guess what? You can have a change in your understanding. Courts recognize that faiths grow, faith changes, faith education grows, education changes. So just because you got them in the past doesn't mean that you don't get to have you, you, you don't get to claim a religious exemption for now and in the future. So make sure that you are educated so that you can stand for your rights and do what you want to do to maintain your conscience. 
Let me ask you a question. What is your most valuable piece of property? Our founders, specifically James Madison, explained what our most valuable piece of property is. He said that our most valuable piece of property is our conscience. Your conscience is your most valuable piece of property. I want to I want to read to you that that uh, segment of James Madison's essay on property, where you can hear that, and that's where these exemptions come from. Okay, so James Madison in his essay "Property," you can find it. Uh, just Google James Madison property, and you'll find it. He wrote it uh, March 29, 1792. He said, in a word, a man is said to have a right to his property. He may be equally said to have a property in his rights. And he said, government is instituted to protect property of every sort, that which is your rights and that which is your physical property. Now, what he says here, Conscience is the most sacred of all property, James Madison says. Other property depending in part on positive law and that the conscience is the product of being a natural and unalienable right. To guard a man's house as his castle, to pay public and enforce private debts with the most exact faith, can give no title to invade a man's conscience, which is more sacred than his castle, or to withhold from it that debt of protection for which the public faith is pledged by the very nature and original conditions of that social compact. Remember the Declaration of Independence says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. So the singular purpose of creating government is to secure our rights. And James Madison is simply saying, the only reason we created government in securing our rights is to ensure that we are to maintain those rights. And in those rights becomes the right to our property of our conscience. And the property of our conscience is the most sacred. Our government is established to secure the right to the independence of our conscience, not to punish us for it and not to regulate us in that. So if you have not read James Madison's essay on property, I'll just go ahead and type, type that in there in case somebody is not understanding me. James Madison, the essay is titled simply Property, and that was written on the 29th of March, 1792. There we go. Up there in the chat room and now on the screen. James Madison property, 29 March, 1792. This should be part of your homework for the day because a lot of arguments can be made. A lot of wrong arguments can be made. But what we need to do what we must understand 
is the definition of property, the extent, the depth of that property and the purpose of government to secure that property right for us. So when the government is issuing mandates, rules, and regulations that violate our conscience, our most sacred piece of property, we have an inherent right and an absolute duty to our future generations to refuse to comply with an order, law, dictate, mandate, ordinance, EO, whatever it might be, that violates our conscience. So there you have it. Little, like I said, we're a teach show, not a talk show. So we always, I'm always going to be using these moments as teaching lessons. Let's go to our Instagram page today, Chris Ann Hall Instagram. You can follow Chris Ann Hall, that's me, on Instagram by looking for at chrisann.hall. If it's not listed in the Constitution specifically, it does not rest as an authority in the federal government. This should be your shared meme for today. What we need to understand is that our Constitution is our consent to government, where it specifically enumerates the powers that are delegated to the federal government. So if they're not delegated, they are reserved to those states and to the people. And it is unlawful for the federal government to exercise those powers. So if it's not specifically listed as a power in the Constitution, if the federal government is exercising that power it is violating the Constitution. It is violating its authority. And once again, we have an inherent right as the authors of government to, and an absolute duty to our future generations to refuse to comply with unauthorized power. Hey guys, speaking of Instagram, my friend Jesse James on Instagram always makes these really wonderful memes. This is a quote from our movie, Non-Compliant. You can watch Non-Compliant, our documentary Non-Compliant, noncompliantmovie.com. When we opened up the show, there was the trailer, one of our official trailers for Non-Compliant Movie. And this is a line from our documentary. Every time we comply, we establish a future where our children will not have that option. So thank you, Jesse James, for doing and promoting the film. Speaking of the film, hey, check this out. This is uh, a one of the five-star reviews that we have. We have so many five-star, whoops, sorry about that. We have so many five-star reviews now on uh, noncompliantmovie.com. Look at this. This film was so profound for me. I when I think about the impact that my actions and inactions have on my children and grandchildren, it's most certainly my duty to take a stand. Isn't that what I've been saying? 
We have an inherent right and an absolute duty to take a stand. We must seek the knowledge and understanding and help others to do the same. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley, for that wonderful, not only um, non-compliant movie review, but also that teaching moment. Where can you get that understanding, that knowledge and understanding? Well, that's at libertyfirstsociety.com. That's where we're going to teach you about your liberty. So I want to share with you a couple articles today that popped up on my radar. They are legal articles that you might find interesting. I hope you'll find interesting. This first one is, <laughs> I sort of saw it and went, Okay, let's look at that. It's kind of very strange. I wonder, my curiosity extends to where the Supreme Court is going to position themselves on this one. Check this out. A Michigan woman with 14 parking tickets sued her city, Saginaw in Michigan, Saginaw, Michigan, over a violation of her right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures when the parking attendant, catching this, guys, chalked her tires. No, I'm, I'm not kidding, man. Chalked her tires. So what the Michigan woman says, um, Alice, Allison Taylor, is that when the parking person chalks your tires, reaches out with the little stick and puts the chalk mark on your car tires, that is a, that is a search and seizure of your property without a warrant. Now remember, no crime has been committed when they chalk your tires. You're simply occupying a space. So they can't have a probable cause for a crime to justify a warrant. And by the way, by chalking your tires, there is no warrant. I'll remind you what the Fourth Amendment says. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. No warrant shall issue, but based upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched or the persons or things to be seized. Okay? So that is the part of the U.S. Bill of Rights that is to say to the government, you have no right to touch my stuff without a warrant that is based upon probable cause, that is supported by oath or affirmation, that particularly describes the place to be searched or the persons or things to be seized. Now, at libertyfirstsociety.com, I actually have a class. I have several classes that teach about the right of the people and their security and their property, explaining the Fourth Amendment, its origin, where it comes from, and what that all means. 
So if you want an in-depth explanation on that, you go to libertyfirstsociety.com. You can catch that there. And so um, what they're saying here in this is that the, um, how am I doing this? <laughs> okay. I think I'm going to unshare and reshare so I know what I'm doing. Okay. Well, JC, have I messed it all up already? <laughs> okay. Well, that's how it's going to look. Anyway, when they chalk your tires, they are touching your property without a warrant. There's no basis of probable cause, no oath or affirmation, particularly describing searched or the persons or things to be seized. It simply is a violation of your right to property. And it was very interesting that what this court says now, this is a district court, so we'll have to see. It's a three-judge panel. We'll have to see if it's appealed and where it goes. Like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Supreme Court would might say about this. But here's Judge Richard Griffin, who is one of the 14. And it says, and he's, I'm sorry, one of the three, excuse me, one of the three and the three panel judges said, for nearly as long as automobiles have parked along city streets, municipalities have found ways to enforce parking regulations without implicating the Fourth Amendment. Thus, tire chalking is not necessary to meet the ordinary needs of law enforcement, let alone the extraordinary. So there is no need to chalk your tires, is what they're saying. You can do something else. Install a meter. Install a meter. There's other ways. Now you don't even have to install a meter anymore. You can, like, paint a number on the parking space and put up one of these little kiosks, right, where you have to pay or whatever it might be. So the court's saying, look, you don't have to touch her stuff to do your job. Because if you have to touch her stuff to do your job, then you have to have a warrant to touch her stuff. If you touch her stuff without a warrant, you're violating the supreme law of the land. So I really kind of like this case. It seems sort of inconsequential. It's like it's a parking ticket. It's chalk on your tire. What's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal because it's about securing your property rights. Remember um, my course at Liberty First, you know, at, at LibertyFirstSociety.com where we talk about the right to be securing your property. You're going to meet one of our founders by the name of James Otis Jr. James Otis Jr. should be, I, you know, I just thought about this. He should be called the father of our Fourth Amendment, James Otis Jr. Because James Otis Jr., fought the British government over these principles and these rights. And James Otis Jr. was an attorney. And he was criticized for standing up 
for his right to privacy and property and encouraging others to stand up and not comply with the British laws that violate their right to privacy and property. Because, by the way, just a little bonus for your educational dollar, uh, the Fourth Amendment didn't invent our right to be secure in our person's house's papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. No, that was a right held by English people as well since the year 1215. So when James Otis Jr. stood up to the British government, he wasn't coining any new phrases or paving any new ways or forging new new paths. He was actually standing up for codified principles in law to the security of the, the rights of property of people. But he was criticized. He was chastised. He was ostracized for standing up to the government for this. They asked him, why are you doing this, James? Only people who want to break the law, only people who have something to hide wouldn't let the government search their stuff. And paraphrasing, of course, Otis's response was simply this. I don't have anything to hide, but I do have everything to preserve. So you can sort of scoff at my little story about the tire chalking and what's the big deal, Chris Ann? It's just a chalk mark on your tire. No, it's not just a chalk mark on your tire. It's the government touching your property without your consent and without a warrant. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal. And it's not because I want to violate parking laws, but we are supposed to make it hard for the government to violate our rights, not by simply going along, getting along, right? So if you're, if you're just going along and getting along because it doesn't bother you right now, then guess what? It will bother you in the future because the, the, the small movements that you allow today are the large movements that will be uh, seizing your property and your rights without a warrant. And remember, she was legally parked. This is, she, she had committed no crime. So there was no reason to even, there was no justification for a warrant. I suppose if the parking attendant believed that she had occupied that space longer than what was authorized by law, then the parking attendant could go ahead and get a warrant and then chalk the tire but they don't want to do that because it's too hard to go through all of that. Well, guess what? It's not supposed to be easy to touch somebody's property. Okay? It's not supposed to be easy to touch someone's property. Another case that we have watching today comes from our friends at Liberty Council. And this is a case that ought to be very interesting to us. Oh, look, I fixed it. I have no idea how I did that. Yes. <laughs> our, Liberty, our friends at Liberty Council, you can find them at lc.org. lc.org. Say court reverses itself in favor of New York pro-life defendants. A three-judge panel of Second Circuit Court of Appeals reversed its prior opinion and affirmed the district court's denial of a preliminary injunction 
sought by New York Attorney General Letitia James, thus denying her attempt to censor the Christian and pro-life speech of 13 defendants outside Choices Women's Medical Center in Jamaica, New York. So Liberty Council's client, Scott Fitchett Jr., is a pre-K teacher who spent his Saturdays peacefully sharing the gospel on public sidewalks throughout New York City, including outside choices to persuade women to change their minds about seeking an abortion by communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I will sort of offer a distinction here in Liberty Council's headline uh, in favor of pro-life defendants. They kind of, it kind of makes you think that this is about pro-life issues. But the bottom line is this case is not so much a pro-life issue as a free speech issue, as a right to peaceably assemble issue. And that's what we're talking about here. Your right to peaceably assemble on a public sidewalk and on a uh, public, public meaning property paid for with your tax dollars, to peacefully assemble on a public property, public sidewalk, public park, and speak your conscience, right? Your most sacred property, you have a right to speak that. So it wouldn't matter if they were there preaching the gospel. It would not be matter if they were there speaking pro-life issues. The matter is they have the right to stand there and speak because they're on public property, regardless of what it is to say. And the circuit, second circuit said, accordingly, we affirm the denial of the attorney general's motion for a preliminary injunction and remand the district court for a full consideration of the merits in doing so, and consistent with prior holdings of our court, we do not specifically affirm or question the array of evidentiary or fact and factual findings made by the district court. Rather, we hold simply that the district court did not abuse its discretion in finding that preliminary injunctive relief was not warranted at this time. So here's what we need to understand. The Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, hates free speech. That's the bottom line. The Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, filed an injunction to prevent people from peaceably assembling on a public sidewalk to peacefully speak their conscience. But now, will we remember Letitia James' support of painting the Black Lives Matter motto in the New York streets? Supporting that aspect of free speech on a public sidewalk or roadway. Because they're the same speech. And for government to choose what speech is acceptable and allowed is the very reason why freedom of speech is not only codified in our Constitution, but also in our state Constitution. 
our freedom of speech codified in both constitutions was established so people like Letitia James would not be running around and saying, oh, we like that speech. We don't like that speech. You can do that speech. You can't do that speech. As a matter of fact, freedom of speech is codified and recognized as an inalienable right to protect speech that Letitia James does not like. That's the whole purpose. It's there. To protect speech that Letitia James does not like. Letitia James is a tyrant. She is a liberty-hating tyrant who cannot, with any credibility, take an oath of office because she is not willing to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of New York. Her activity and her actions prove so. She is not willing to make a, a decision to protect all speech. Remember, the Declaration of Independence establishes that to secure our rights, governments are instituted among men. To secure our rights. Okay? That's it. And Letitia James is either incapable or unwilling, or both, to do that. She is unfit for a government. So let Letitia James come and cast her aspersions on me. I'd be happy to address this issue publicly with her any day of the week and twice on Sunday. So there you have it. Letitia James is our constitutional criminal. Let's see if we can find her picture, Liz. Isha James. We find her. I don't think that's her. I will. Here we go. New York. Any general. There she is. Let's see if we can find her. Images. All right. Let's go ahead and duly honor Miss Letitia James with her honorary award of constitutional criminal of the day. She can be a constitutional criminal of the week because I haven't had one yet. Maybe somebody else will supplant her before Friday. But right now, Letitia James, Attorney General of New York, is our constitutional criminal of the week. And please feel free to let her know, I said so. All right, moving on now. This is a very interesting case. Our last case of the day. A judge. You know, we don't use that R word right there. Because the article says a judge ruled. Judges don't issue rulings. Kings issue rulings. Although Letitia probably thinks she's a queen, so whatever. Judge issued an opinion. A law prosecuting re-entry after deportation is racist. Immigration experts call the decision groundbreaking. 
you know, I just, as a wordsmith, being, you know, who I am, I find it really interesting that you have these words ruled and decision juxtaposition each other. Maybe it's just my little word wonky person saying that. So Judge Miranda Du, a federal district court judge in Nevada. Judge Nor Miranda Du issued an opinion last week that Section 1326, which criminalizes re-entry to the United States if a person has been previously denied admission or were deported, violates the Equal Protection Clause of the Fifth Amendment. Now, what's interesting is what Miss Miranda Du says. That there, that these, or what she found is that this particular law is racist because it's based on racism and nativism, which says that if you are not a native of our country, meaning born here, and you are deported and you come back, you have committed a crime. See, we've, we've sent you home once because you're not a native of this country. We sent you home once and now you, and we've told you, this is the legal process, okay? This is the legal process for you to return. Follow the law. You can't claim ignorance of the law anymore. Follow the law. If you come back without following the law, you will be arrested. And they said that it's rooted in racism and nativism, so it is therefore unconstitutional. With that kind of logic, how can any regulation, law, or rule regarding immigration be legal? Every law that is based on citizenship, on how to become a citizen, is based on the principal distinction between you're not a native and you are a native. If you're not a native, you're an alien. You don't have citizenship, so you have to follow the pathways to citizenship. Therefore, that's the law. As a matter of fact, the U.S. Constitution delegates to the federal government the authority to make the uniform rule of naturalization. The fact of naturalization is based on whether you were born here or not, whether you're a native here or not. To say that a law is racist because it's based on nativism and therefore unconstitutional means there can be no laws dis distinguishing citizen from non-citizen. I believe that this is the purpose of people and justices who think 
like Miranda do. Let's see if we can find a picture of Miranda do. Surely her. Here she is. All right. She came right up. I figure it's a unique name like that, right? She's got to have a. There we go. Miranda do. Let's put her up there. Miranda do is a district court judge that simply has absolutely no understanding of citizenship and the Constitution. She is an activist judge. It's her job to take the Constitution and compare law to the Constitution. Does the law comply with a delegation of power in the Constitution? Well, the federal government is delegated the authority to make the Uniform Rule of Naturalization a law based on naturalization, which means that a law, that uh, the law of naturalization violating that law should have a penalty. They have the authority to create the penalties for violating the laws to which we have the authority of them to make. But she doesn't believe that way. I wonder who appointed her? Barack Obama. That's right. She was, oh, let's see, Miranda Dew is an American judge. She was nominated by President Barack Obama to the United States District Court of the District Court of Nevada in 2011, as confirmed by the Senate in 2012. See, here's the thing. Can I just make a distinction for you? Because we'd love to blame Barack Obama for Miranda Dew. We'd love to. The problem is Barack Obama did not appoint Miranda Dew. The Republican majority Senate appointed Miranda Dew. Can we make that distinction? Barack Obama just simply said, hey, I like her. I will nominate her. It was the Republican majority in the Senate that appointed Miranda Dew as a justice, a district court justice. So you can talk about it all you want and try to blame that on Barack Obama, but in reality, it was the Republicans that appointed Miranda Dew who has absolutely no understanding of the Constitution and obviously has no understanding of the definition of the term citizenship or even what the purpose of the uniform rule of naturalization actually is. So here you go, guys. Come on, Nate, man. Keep, your, keep, keep it clean, dude. Keep it clean. You've been here too long for that. You've got to make sure that your senators are doing their job and stop laying blame for these appointments on presidents because it's the Senate, the Senate who appoints judges. And this judge has no clue. Now, this will likely be appealed. So, we will see how it works, although it's the Department of Justice 
right? Um, so we'll have to see if this administration's Department of Justice is going to appeal this. The bad news is if they decide not to appeal this, this will be the precedent for this district. How convenient it would be for the Kamala Harris administration, the K. Mala Harris administration, to, um, you know, decide, hey, we don't need to, uh, we don't need to actually appeal this because we tried and unfortunately the court didn't see it our way. When in reality, that's the decision that the K. Mala Harris administration actually wants to see. So there you have it today. Today's teach show, not a talk show, keeping you informed on what's happening. By the way, can I tell you a secret? There's more going on today than Joe Biden. There's more going on today than the media is telling you. It's these steps, guys. It's these steps, the ones that we're distracted from, the ones that, that, we, that they don't want us to pay attention to. The one, those, these are the ones that matter. Come on. I am heart-wrenched over what has happened in Afghanistan. I actually, I, I, don't, I, I didn't put it up today because I couldn't verify whether it was real or not. But I actually saw a picture of, serv of, of military service animals being caged in an airport. And it was supposed to be in Kabul, left, caged without food and water, along with the other equipment that was abandoned there. That is absolutely disgusting. That's your, that's your Joe Biden administration there. But here's the thing. If we were going to get worked over foreign affair, uh, up over foreign affair policies, we'd have done something about Benghazi. I don't want to be your tough love here today, but the bottom line is, um, what's going on in your backyard? is what's going to poke you in the face. You see, if we have control over our states, can I, can I just simply give you by extension what's going on? Well, if we had control of our states, what happened in Afghanistan would have never happened. This is not a Biden problem. This is a state problem. This is a state government problem, okay? Because first off, what happened in Afghanistan is precisely why the Constitution does not, cannot, I'm going to just repeat that, does not give the President of the United States war powers. Can I just say that again? What happened in Afghanistan is precisely why the Constitution does not delegate to the president war powers. And I don't care what the War Powers Act says. 
and I don't care what your local pundit says. The president does not lawfully exercise war powers. The power of war is delegated to the House and the Senate, which is why what happened in Afghanistan is a state problem and not a Biden problem. Can we just be correct about this one thing? Because all of this Biden, 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 Biden thing is a deflection from where your real problem lies because that's where your solution lies. If we had control of our state governments, what happened in Afghanistan would have never happened because we'd have a properly operating constitution. I just wish, just wrapped up in my big little compact wish ball today, we could get just that one thing right. The president doesn't have war powers. Go read Article 2. War is reserved to Congress. And every act of moving our troops all over this globe outside a formal declaration of war by Congress is completely, totally unconstitutional, a constitutional crime. I don't care who wants to justify it for what. Moving our troops around the globe without a declaration of war is a constitutional crime. And no, Thomas Jefferson did not do it. So don't even come to me with that lame-o argument based in historical revision. That is not what Thomas Jefferson did. So you can take that Thomas Jefferson argument and pack it. Doesn't work here. If we had control of our state governments, what's happening in the federal government would not be happening. And that's the bottom line. It really is the bottom line. If you're confused by that, if you have an argument for that statement, then may I suggest, please, that you go and spend some time at libertyfirstsociety.com and get an education on what the Constitution actually says and what it actually means. And I'll say that blanketly. If you have any argument against that statement that I just said, you need to study the Constitution. You need to put down the books that were written by the pundits. You need to put down the books that were written by the law professors and the politicians and pick up the Constitution and the writings of those who actually wrote the Constitution and learn something because you're living in a lie, my friend. You're living in a lie. The president does not legally possess war powers. So just a little help for your day. We got to take back our local governments once you take back your local governments, then the federal government will be a realistic goal. 
It seriously will. This midterms, this 2022 midterms should be all about getting back control of your state house and Senate. Seriously, that's what should be your goal in 2022. The 2022 midterms should be all about getting constitutionally minded, proficient, loyal constitutionalists in your state and local government. That's what you need to do right now. And then, then, and only then will you get control of your federal government. So guys, the president of the United States does not write law. He does not enact law. The executive branch, go read Article 2. It's his job to enforce the law. As long as it is compliant with the Constitution. The president of the United States has an authority and a duty to refuse to enforce laws that are not made in pursuance to the Constitution. If you have an argument against that statement, then you also need to go to libertyfirstsociety.com and watch our video on Article 6, Clause 2. Okay? So let me ask you a question. Make sure that you hit our like and share. Please, you help us when you like and share. You help us spread truth because the AI and the, the social media powers to be hate us. So there you have it. You need to, to uh, you, we would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate for you to help us like and share. All of our show archives, by the way, are available at chrisannhall.com. You can share the old shows through chrisannhall.com, through YouTube, through whatever, right? So thank you for joining us so much. So glad to have you with us today. Did you like today's show? Did you like having a teach show instead of a talk show? A show that's not based on politics and personalities, but a show that's based on constitution and truth. Thank you so much for your super chats here today. God bless you guys. If you like the show, then please, please, please share, share, share and support us. You can make a donation at chrisannhall.com. You can make a tax-deductible donation at libertyfirst.legal. And I want to just simply say thank you. And we will see you next time. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain alienable rights. We have a power. And we've raised a spoiled brat representative government that needs to be taken to the woodshed. Are you satisfied with the government that owns you? There are churches who refuse to allow us to use their facilities to teach. 
unspoken or even sometimes spoken rule that religion and politics don't mix. You wouldn't dare speak out against the government or somehow resist. Christians have to be involved in politics. God commands it. Every turn of event through history hinged. One person will stand up upon a single person. And then everybody else will stand. A gym member surrounded by a crowd of supporters was placed in handcuffs. A Tampa Bay pastor has been arrested, sentenced to a week in she jail. She also and tore up a cease and desist letter. We have a posterity waiting for us to say, we will not comply so you will be free. We have a chance to fight without bloodshed. But every time we comply, we establish a future where our children will not have that option. Why do we sit down when all should be standing? And why do we beg?